Here on Gadget Lab, we dive deep into the tech universe, tackling questions like, is giving companies access to your genetic material a good idea? And are the latest phone releases really that different than the last ones? We want to help you make informed decisions about what is worth your attention. And here's something that is undeniably worth your time, a digital subscription to Wired. Lucky for you, we are giving Gadget Lab listeners an exclusive discount, 20% off an annual subscription to Wired. Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. Lauren is not around this week, and in fact, I'm not around this week either. We have slipped out of our cozy studio in the San Francisco office, and we're here in the wilds in the high desert of Las Vegas, Nevada, to cover the cavalcade of gadgets that is CES 2024. I'm in this very posh and cozy hotel room with three of my colleagues. So uh, we apologize. The audio is not going to be entirely professional, but we are doing our best, people. I tell you, we're doing our best. I have here with me to my right the awesome Wired senior editor, Jeremy White. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Sitting across from me is Wired senior reviews editor, Julian Chokatu. Hello. Hello, Julian. And over here to my left, but not least, Wired Senior Associate Reviews Editor, Adrian So. Hi. Hi, Adrian. All right, everybody. How's everybody doing? Having a good show? I'm just about surviving, <laughs> to be honest with you. I am having a great time, and it just keeps getting better. <laughs> Today was a peak. Yes. Yeah, we really did. We really did it today, Julian. We nailed CES. (laughs) So most people listening to the show know what CES is. Uh, Julian, can you give us a quick primer for anybody who may not know what the hell we're talking about when we say those three words, those three letters? Sure. Yeah. CES is the Consumer Electronics Show. It's been around for more than 100 years, I believe. Uh, uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's that long. Uh, And it's, it's sort of the place where you know everyone goes to see all the latest technology um, that comes out from all over the world uh, it's a uh, gadgets from TVs to speakers to cars and all sorts of things and it sort of sets the tone for the rest of the year uh, in terms of what you can sort of expect to see from the tech world and how you know companies are looking at things and what you can sort of expect the types of products you can expect to see coming out to market um, for the rest of 2024. Nice. 
That was that was very good, succinct Thank CES you. primer. Work for CTA or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also the one place in time where ninety percent of the people have Androids instead of iPhones. This <laughs> is probably true in some way. Yeah, I saw a lot of pixels. You saw some pixel folds a in the lot. one. I saw a couple pixel folds. Yeah, so very unusual. They definitely did not work for Google. They did not look like they worked for Google. So I did make sure. Nice. Uh, so one of the things that we were expecting coming into this week was that uh, the hype uh, about AI that we've seen overtake the consumer tech industry in the last year would be here full force because people have had a year to prepare to put AI into all their products. So we were expecting to see a lot of products with AI in them. And I think the consumer technology industry delivered on that promise. Hell yeah. I mean, it, it reminded me of when digital assistants first came out, really. And they had that, we had that, that glorious year of when they shoved digital assistants into absolutely everything. You had the microwave, you had absolutely, you had kettles, you had, you know, walk around robots. And all that. It, it was absolutely everything. And it reminds me of that this year. It's like, oh my God, we've got a, another version of this, a pimped version of that. Let's put it in everything and then work out what on earth to do with it later. Yeah. I did encounter one moment of what I thought was going to be common sense when I was speaking to one CEO who said, you know, good quality in is good quality out. And that's why we don't have suggestive AI in our product. And then a moment later, she said, so it will be coming out in the next month or the next year or so. And I was like, okay, so, you know, we're, we're, we're being restrained right now. <laughs> right. Because if you don't put AI in your thing, then somebody's going to come along and make a version of your thing with AI in it. And then you're going to be out on the curb. Yeah, for real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I weirdly feel like the companies I saw that were sort of not really talking about the generative AI part of it were the more interesting ones that actually had a use case for... The, that application that made sense versus a lot of the other companies that were like AI and then you'd ask them, what does it do? And they're like, you know, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, cool. <laughs> that was just generally, you know, a lot of AI and everything. Then you de definitely have to try and parse out exactly what it is the AI is doing. Turns out like 75% of the time, not much or right. nothing interesting really or helpful to the nature of the product. Right. So yeah. There's a lot of things with chat GPT capability in it this year. Yes. It wasn't just that, though, as well. Is that like they, they had things like there was a bird feeder. There was a smart bird feeder that used AI to recognize over 10,000 species of birds. I want that. So we had, like, so it wasn't just, it was, it was just in everything. Yeah. You know, but I mean, even the bird feeder, the bird feeder made more sense than a lot of the other made much more expensive products you come across. Because at least they had something to do with it. Oh, we're going to identify birds. Like, yes. Okay. I can, that's a use case that has value. Yeah. But a lot of the times the student said, you go, what on earth are you doing that for? Yeah. But yeah. Chat GPT, absolutely. Yeah, and the, the use case that I saw on my beat a lot was um, AI stain detection for floors and robot vacuums. And every time I saw it, I had to refrain. I had to physically hold my face back from saying that iRobot has had dirt detect since 2004. So does <laughs> do we need AI for all the things that AI is doing? I'm not really sure. I mean, AI, I mean, this has been a thing, though, for like at least five to six years where AI is just a substitute for like smart you know, it's a smart gadget and, it's, you know, AI just doesn't really mean anything in this context. So like even what you said, like, you know, dirt detect, 
that's a smart application, but if there's no like you know way of AI actually doing anything in that, yeah, in that it's product. not it's not continually improving upon itself right. in the process of finding more and sophisticated kinds of dirt in your home. <laughs> <laughs> the flagship product in one of my beats was the Chat GPT enabled electric bike, which I was prepared to find as a load of complete hooey, but I actually ended up liking quite a bit. Um, what can... about Chat GPT in a bike makes it? good okay so what this bike is the ceo told me don't think of it as a bike think of it as a very large phone that you ride on which uh, is just <laughs> priceless in I which I, <laughs> <laughs> I but like you can ask it you know the, it didn't start off promising i asked it to find me coffee and it told me i could use a french press so that was not a good start <laughs> but Afterwards, like I try, I finally figured out the use case, and then I asked it to, you know, like help me take a ride around Vegas, help me sightsee on a two-hour bike ride around Vegas, and it just, it would just help me point out a route. It was going to navigate, you know, and you can add points of interest and that kind of thing. Like that's the sort of use case where I finally had to concede, like, okay, you know, maybe maybe my bike can be my friend. So I mean, to an extent, I feel like that functionality will at some point. It just be your phone and it doesn't need to be in the bike. But what right? if your phone was your the bike? bike. Yeah. <laughs> and you could ride on it. What? <laughs> what if you could check your bike while you're watching TV? <laughs> All right. I don't I don't know where. Well, Jeremy, you cover the automotive industry for us, and you've been covering it for a long time, and I'm sure you've had a lot of experience playing with all the different voice assistants in the cars that have been coming out over the last 10 years. Now that people are putting chat GPT into cars, is it getting any better? Well, well it can't get any worse. No. <laughs> this is the situation we're in. Um, you're right. I mean, a number of uh, car manufacturers announced some sort of version, some sort of LLM, sort of large language model in their vehicles. VW have actually got in chat GPT into their cars now. Now, what this actually means really is some sort of pimped version of a voice assistant and that's the examples they gave it so on stage they say okay well you want to go somewhere okay before you would ask say i i'm hungry show me restaurants and uh, or take me to restaurants and it was sort of possible in a, with a following wind it would be able to do that for you now you can you can have a slightly more complicated query like I'm hungry for butter chicken and then it knows what you're talking about and then it can take you to curry restaurants nearby and things like that. Right. That's the difference. I mean, it's not much more than that. They want it to be slightly contra you know, conversational, but it's only just a little bit more so. And when you talk to them about whether this is going to transform how we live with our cars and be in our cars, they don't really have any solid answers on whether it will or not. Hmm. Well, while we're on the topic of cars, can we talk about flying cars? My favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, not a topic that is new to you as somebody who covers oh, CES every year. It's, that's the thing I've been knocking, uh, I've been you know doing down flying cars all my career really. And here I am at CES and the, the thing I've written most about is a flying car. Yeah. And it, and it makes me very sad. But um, it, this is the thing, there's about three or four flying car companies here showing their wares and they're oh look this is the thing now it's coming out but the the big one is actually uh, a company called supernal which is an offshoot of the hyundai motor group so hyundai motor group um, have 
Genesis, you know, the EV brand Genesis. They have Kia, they have the Hyundai, of course, um, and they've got Supernal. Supernal is their sort of air cab, their taxi, electric, v, you know, v, uh, VTOL, so eVTOL, so vertical takeoff and landing. So they finally announced their um, their their proper concept. This is what's going to be made apparently and in the skies in four years' time. Nice. And these are not quadcopters, right? They're not just big drones. They're not big drones. Um, it's not just uh, getting in like eHang where you just get in and um, it, you know, it automates and it takes you somewhere. This is um, it's a pilot piloted, so human pilot and then space for four passengers. Hmm. But you can take out the seats and you can have no passengers or just two passengers. You can figure out how you like. But it flies up to 20 to 25 minutes. Um, or 25 miles, so 25 to 40 miles, sorry, 25 to 40 miles. And uh, so it's, you know, short you know, journeys and it flies at 120 miles an hour at 1,500 feet. I want one. And, uh, it, <laughs> it, you know, so it's that, it's, it's, they say it's going to be affordable, but it just looks like something for rich people. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, like, it really does. So this is how, this instead of helicopters, this is how rich people will get to and from airports, you know, in their, for their, to their office blocks or their penthouses or whatever it is. The yachts. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, um, but it, it, the design is something else. I mean, the, 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 all of the, all of the uh, rotors tilt. Um, up and down and they don't all tilt in the same direction so when you're when it's vertically taking off they don't all tilt upwards the back ones tilt down the front ones tilt up to stop the shear forces in the fuselage so it's incredibly quiet it's it's as quiet as a they say i can't quite believe this is true but they say it's as quiet as a dishwasher they have not met my dishwasher. Okay, I am going. I am going to say it may be for rich people, but if I could pay fifty dollars once every six months to make my flight and get taken to the airport in a flying car, I would definitely do that, and I would probably make a TikTok about it. It would be awesome. It is. I can't wait. It is. It, it does look awesome. It is. It's a lovely design, and they, it's got this sort of hexagonal glass bulb at the front of it, so you can almost see all the way around to the ground, so you can see what you're. You know, the coming down pilot can see, and that whole front shape here, this hexagonal glass, was apparently designed on the sh on the shape of a bee's head. It was like mm. biomimicry. So, like, what does a bee's head look like, and, and what would a bee's head look like if it was going really fast? <laughs> <laughs> when I think of superb flyers, I think bees. Bees. <laughs> I know. It's a poor person they thinking, but it's one. Of, it's one of those few occasions where this sort of thing. Is always just around the corner, but they actually made me think, and I could very much live to regret this. They actually made me think that, yeah, they are going to do this. All right. Well, we only have to wait a few years to find out. Four. Four years to find <laughs> out. <laughs> okay, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Reid Hoffman. And I'm Aria Finger. If you're interested in learning about how technology and humanity can come together to make a better future, 
life and possible is for you. We invite ambitious builders and deep thinkers like Trevor Noah, Kara Swisher, Sam Altman, and so many more. Help us sketch out the brightest version of the future and what it will take to get there. If you want to be part of the future today, then subscribe to Possible wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, Julian, we have to talk about televisions because CES is always a big television show. Everybody brings their crazy concepts and the giant televisions and the super bright projectors. You saw something kind of unique in the world of TVs. Tell us about it. I saw not one, but two transparent TVs. Although maybe TVs is a bit of a stretch for Samsung because they kind of just showed off a, a, a glass uh, screen that was not really a TV and it was just a concept showing off the technology. So LG had an actual transparent television using OLED technology. And, you know, when I first told my wife at the end of the day, oh, I saw a transparent television. She said, why would I want a transparent television? And then I thought about it and I didn't have a great answer <laughs> other than, you know, uh, LG said you could put it in front of a window and not block the access. And then still when you, the cool thing about this one, it is it has a rollable element mixed in. So when you do want to, you know, watch a normal movie in full normal OLED fidelity, there's this uh, rollable contrast film that rolls up. And so it sort of makes the whole thing opaque. And now you can actually get all that contrast and it looks great. Uh, and then roll it down and it's transparent and you can still use the television and see con uh, you know, content on the screen. And there's going to be different types of user interface elements that are going to be different from a traditional TV. So you can expect things like things just, you know, hovering on the display, like the weather and the clock and things like that. Um, so, you know, there are things that I think I could see a use case for. And obviously this is the first uh, thing that they're launching, and this is the TV, and it's not a concept unlike Samsung's, which is using micro LED, and that was definitely brighter than the OLED version I saw, uh, but, you know, again, Samsung's was just a concept. But LG's is gonna be on sale uh, later this year. It's gonna be a limited series. Uh, the rollable TVs that they announced a few years ago started at uh, $100,000. Yeah. So I'm going to assume they did not share the price, uh, but I'm going <laughs> to assume these are going to also cost $100,000, if not more. Um, so this is the sort of thing where you can expect in four to five years, perhaps this will trickle down and become a lot more affordable. Uh, perhaps this might lead to a transparent phone. Like in Iron Man one day, I don't know, you know, that's, that's all what we're, it's every, Iron Man is like the thing that everyone calls back to at CES every year. So I feel like this is another one of those things. Because so. of the, the see-through phone. Yeah, the see-through phone. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was cool. Um, it's still just one of those things, you know, LG themselves were like, uh, this is going to be really popular with interior designers. And, <laughs> like when that's your first demographic <laughs> of your product. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely visually very exciting and very cool to look at, but practically, uh, you know, TV makers seem to really hate the black screen of a TV that when it's turned off, they're constantly saying, you know, your TV's just black in your room. Like right now in this hotel room, the TV's just black. It's just, my God. And like, you guys make these things, right? Like you hate it so much that that was the one other selling point. Transparent means you can put art behind your TV or something like that. So, you, you know, yeah. Do you know what else is transparent, Julian? Fish tanks. 
Everyone loves a fish tank. But you can't watch The Witcher on a fish tank. That is true. Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. One day day it'll be baked in. So you're already working on it. Yes, actually. (laughs) They did have a fish tank animation, actually. Oh, my God. We're almost there. So, yeah. Oh, my God. I am an interior designer. (laughs) What am I doing here? I should switch careers. So, Adrian, you cover a lot of uh, wearable technology for Wired. You cover a a lot of health tech. Um, tell us about some of the trends you're seeing in those worlds here at the show. So as I was getting off the plane into my lift to the hotel, the car in front of me had a big billboard for Menopause, the musical, which seems to be everywhere in CES <laughs> right now. And I don't know if this is one of those cases where like, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But it feels to me like this is the year that suddenly everybody at CES woke up to the fact that half of the population is like criminally underserved. Like um, one of the things we highlighted this year was um, an at-home urinary tract infection test, um, which can help like, I don't like, I, here I am, I'm sitting in a room with three dudes. I don't know if any of you even know why a, a UTI test is so important, <laughs> but six out of 10 women have them. It's one of the most miserable yet common afflictions that people have that nobody really talks about. So the fact that you can diagnose it in under two minutes at home and you use your phone app to send the information directly to your doctor was like, that That just blew my mind. And um, all the wearables are coming out with, you know, passive cycle detecting technology. Um, so you can, you know, learn to predict when you're period is coming and not, you know, just randomly bleed out when you're just walking around swimming with sharks or whatever it is that you do. And and a lot of, and a lot of, um, you know, in accordance with the billboard that I saw coming in, there is a lot of paramenopause and menopause detection um, technology when it comes to wearables. And one of the ones that I found was um, a vaso motor sensor that can automatically detect um, night sweats and hot flashes, which helps you know helps you um, regulate your sleep disturbances. It's really hard to fall asleep when you know you're sweating. And I haven't experienced any of this personally yet, but perimenopause <laughs> and menopause can last over 10 to 15 years of your life and half the people on planet Earth, I don't, I mean, I'm not a scientist or anything. I'm not a biologist. I don't know exactly how many people that is, but <laughs> half of all the people on Earth is like a lot of people. And they're just <laughs> going to, half of the people are just going to go through this. And we don't know, we don't know anything about it. I asked my own doctor about this actually. And he was like, are you sure you want to know? Wouldn't you just rather like see what happens? And that is not a question. (laughs) That is not something that I've ever said to myself. It just feels like this is the first year where a lot of women are, you know, people are acknowledging that a lot of women really do want more information about what's going on with their bodies. That's great. And, you know, I feel like this is happening at a time when health sensor technology and wearable technology, we've sort of been exploring the limits of what's capable with what we have right now over the last few years, right? Like there's only so much you can do on somebody's wrist. There's only so much you can do with like a sensor that lives in your toilet that you pee on. So we're sort of getting like to the to the edges of that. And I think when a device maker looks at, well, what else can we do? This seems like a natural place to go because like you said, there's not a lot there. Yeah. Um, a lot of these co- study cohorts are starting out with like 100 or like 150 women, like 
we we just don't know enough yet. There's so many algorithms yet to be developed. Very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> One of the other big things that we saw in the world of wearable technology was uh, gesture control, right? This has been this has been creeping into this world over the last year or two. It's been creeping into this world um, with you know augmented reality and like mixed reality systems and just the way that the in that the digital and physical worlds are interacting, or as I like to say. Fidgetal, and I just watched everybody in this room <laughs> wince simultaneously. But it's like, it's the greatest word. Why would you say hybrid when you could say fidgetal? <laughs> like, there are so many different new devices um, that are letting you interact with the world in different physical, you know, different physical or digital ways. One of, one of the ones that we highlighted was the palm plug, which was really cool. Um, the palm plug um, attaches sensors to all five of your fingers and the palm of your hands. And they, not only does it provide you haptic feedback, like it taps you and you're like gives you vibrations or haptic feedback whenever you're doing something wrong, but it also lights up. There's like a multi-sensory component. Um, I also saw a ring that lets you whisper into it so that you can, you don't have to wear, you know, like a big VR headset or goggles. You can take them outside. You don't have to wear Mixed reality glasses. What is, I know you guys saw a bunch of different other things. Yeah, I saw Double Point, which is like the first time I ever heard someone making something for Wear OS, which is nice because uh, that platform from Google doesn't really get a lot of third party uh, action. But Double Point essentially enables any modern Wear OS watch to get the same types of gesture controls that you might see on like an Apple Watch. So there's Double Tap. And you can use that to, you can basically use it as a mouse in a browser. Um, the intention here is really using your, you know, the wearless watch you've already bought and wearing as a, an interface option for mixed reality. So, um, you know, Apple Vision Pro is coming very soon. We all know that. And they're going all in on hands as the interface tool. And I think that's one trend that we all saw is that everyone else is now like, right, screw controllers, screw physical, you know, actual hardware just try and use your hands. And so everyone is trying to find out different ways to do that, whether it's with like a watch or, you know, a camera pointed at your uh, fingers. And that's what it's going to be, which is, you know, essentially what we all expected it to be because that's what movies have been telling us for years. <laughs> so so they're calling it all hands. <laughs> nice. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Had to go there. Okay, let's take another break and we'll come right back. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Luna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. All right, so... We don't really have like a traditional show this week. I mean, we're in a hotel room for God's sake and there's planes taking off outside. So we're not going to do the traditional thing where we go around the room and we ask everybody for a recommendation. But because this is CES, I want to do a lightning round and I do want to go around the room and ask everybody what 
the coolest or weirdest or most fun thing that they saw this week was Jeremy White. You go first. Without question, the weirdest thing I think I've ever seen in this scene <laughs> was it's the, it's something called WeHead. W-E-H-E-N-D. WeHead. And, uh, you forgot wehead.com. Wehead.com. It was a beautiful <laughs> moment at Pepcom, actually, where they're on their sign at the back of the room, they had wehead, and then they just scroll, scrawled in blackmarker.com next to, <laughs> next to their, their brand name. But uh, it was uh, a very small company, as you could tell. But uh, what they had was this sort of, it looked like a, you know, you see in jewelers' shop windows with those sort of head mannequins where they put jewelry on. But there was something very odd about it, and it was it was all angular and square. And I went to went to what on earth is that? And it turned out that it was a another thing that they'd shoved ChatGPT into, and it was a, a a voice assistant that you could speak to and be a a companion in your home, or it could be some sort of you know office tool as well, take minutes and so on, or listen to meetings. Um, but it was so physically weird and distracting i don't know how anybody could live with it it was it was it wasn't a face it wasn't it wasn't you know spherical or round it was it was it was it was sort of angular and made of sort of cuboids and then as you got close you realized it was four samsung phones we found out later it was samsung phones it was four samsung phones squashed together in a face-like format with a, then a video of a face of on it in, in almost like Max Headroom gone wrong. That's that was my impression of it. It felt <laughs> it felt like the weird like eighties, very early cyberpunk yeah. kind of yeah, like like something out of a Laurie Anderson video. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. And the guy said to me, he said, talk to it, talk to it. I said, no, I don't want to. I don't <laughs> want to talk to it. <laughs> I think I think this guy was capitalizing on a missed opportunity. Why invent your own proprietary hardware when you can just stick four phones together in the shape of a head. I think this was absolute genius. I commend him. Oh, <laughs> well, him he a... was very proud of it. He yes, was, he was very giving him my own award. <laughs> as but the funny thing about as he was talking to me about it, it explained to me. Um, Adrian was very kindly trying to video it at the same time as well, and I just couldn't look at her because her eyes were getting wider and wider and wider <laughs> as he described more and more about this product. It was just bonkers. It, look it up, wehead.com. <laughs> Do them a favor. <laughs> it's it's one of the great things about the show is that people just take the biggest, weirdest swings. I oh love my, it. Oh my word. It's fun. Just, it's what makes it fun. It is. It, it was worth coming just for that. It's, it's, four, it's four phones glued together in the shape of a head. Yes. Like yeah. you just That's the elevator. That's the elevator yeah. pitch. If yeah. someone got the elevator, I've got an idea for you. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, and that person would be like, yes. Checkmark. <laughs> Julian, tell us about the thing that you saw that you can't get out of your head. I guess I have to say the Rabbit uh, R1, which, uh, you know, it actually looked very unique and different. It's a pocket-sized device. It's made in collaboration with the, the design firm Teenage Engineering, so it looks you know, pretty slick and somewhat retro. There's a little screen on it. There's a scroll wheel, uh, a 360 degree camera on it that you can flip back and forth and a push to talk button. And when you press and hold the push to talk button, you can basically ask it to perform uh, sort of menial tasks that you would typically do on a smartphone. Um, the interesting thing about this is that it's using a large language model from ChatGPT 
to understand what you're talking about. And the other side of it is now introducing large action models. And the whole idea is that it's actually understanding and executing on what you want. So this is sort of like a step above the traditional digital voice assistant, where you can actually ask it to, uh, hey, get me an Uber to the airport and also put this on my calendar. It's like mixing your services together in a way that your apps before have never really worked together in that way. But also you can do complex things um, by basically, uh, you know, the company Rabbit has trained a lot of the, these normal menial functions like reserving a dinner at a restaurant. It basically has trained a lot of these rabbits is what they're calling it to go out and do these tasks. So uh, you can connect your uh, services to the rabbit device, the R1, and essentially have it just perform all of these tasks. And the, the cool thing about this thing is the camera uh, it's called the rabbit eye and you point it at uh, like let's say if you have your laptop open uh, you do every day you do the simple task of um, their example was removing a watermark from an image which is kind of a weird thing to give an example for <laughs> but let's say that you're constantly doing that and <laughs> you now point the r1 at your laptop screen and it records what you're doing so you're essentially teaching it how to do the thing that you are often doing uh, now it understands it, it learns it, it now can do the thing that you want it to do. So now you can just press and hold the button and say, hey, remove the water park from this other image. And it'll now do that so you don't ever have, have to do that. And one of the other examples they had given was they were playing the game Diablo 4. The character has to you know, kill enemies, survive, and level up. They put the camera and you know, pointed at the screen. They taught the rabbit to you know, have the character not die and Lord taught it how to kill the enemies and survive. And they basically are saying that theoretically you can now train a rabbit to keep your game character alive until you hit a certain level. Now you don't have to grind, you know, do all the menial things that you don't really want to do in that game and get to the thing that, uh, you know, is more enjoyable. So the whole idea is take the basic smartphone stuff that you have to do these days that is kind of a little annoying to do on your phone, just ask the thing without having to, you know, touch a you know, bunch of different, uh, different interfaces, juggle between apps and all of that. You're forgetting, um, you're forgetting the most important thing about stuff made by teenage engineering, Julian, which is that I have no clue what most of it does. And I know that most of it is expensive, but it's just so cute that I just want it anyway. It is very cute and surprisingly <laughs> not that expensive. I mean, it's 199 bucks. Uh, and again, it's sort of like that weird device that you don't really know if it's going to be useful or not yet. Uh, it could be absolutely useless. It could be very cool and very unique. So, uh, you know, it's coming out in March, so we don't have to wait too long to find out. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of, you know, on the hype wave of things like the Humane AI pen, writing that sort of chat GPT personal AI companion. But this is trying to actually do actions for you. So it could be cool. Right on. Yeah. I'm so let she listen to that. Mm -hmm. I, I, now I want to try it. <laughs> yeah, <right>. We <laughs> didn't have a demo, so that was a disappointing thing. When I went all the way there, did not actually have any demo, so I did not know anything about how it actually ends up is going to end up working. But you know, it is exciting. I feel like I, you know, it, there's an idea there, and uh, I hope it works because it, it sounds cool. We only have to wait a few months. Yeah, till March. Great. Okay, Adrian, what's uh, what's the thing that you saw this week that blew you away or made you laugh? We just we just tested it and like 
doing the video, doing the, like, Juliana and I made a video, made a test. I am mildly afraid that Segway is going to, like, I'm, like everyone is going to think I'm a Segway paid actor or something. <laughs> but I had to be physically dragged away from the new Segway go-kart. Um, the, the sun was setting. It was, you know, approaching freezing temperatures. Segway had started packing everything away. And I was like, no, no, don't make me go. <laughs> it's a... It's a three-in-one go-kart. So not only is it a go-kart um, that you can actually, you know, like ride around on the streets. And I have been testing electric bikes with Segway. And then the Segway PR spokesperson just like leaned down and he put it in race mode. He was like, I saw you testing those bikes. I think this is what you want to do. <laughs> and that was exactly what I did want to do. Um, it's so cute and light. The pickup is so fast. And then... When you're done, you know, doing that, which you may never be, the the back decouples into a hoverboard. So, you know, when you're in a space where they might arrest you for driving a go-kart, you just simply, you know, swap out for your hoverboard and just start hovering around people. But then when you're done with that, you it turns into a racing simulator. It's compatible with most major gaming consoles and platforms. So you can, like when it's too cold to race outside as it was slowly beginning to be here in Vegas, you can just go inside and just play all of your standard racing games. You can play with your friends online. Like if you're getting really sick of trying to keep up with your friends who have like full on racing sims on your like dinky little computer or whatever, you just get a Segway go-kart and you just start racing them in your home. It was incredible. Like when I was like stomping on the gas, like the whole cart was just like flexing every time I saw <laughs> 360 haptic feedback. Like it would like, I was like trying to drift and like smashing it into like the walls of tunnels. And the whole, smashing. There was a lot of smashing. <laughs> you, you are the one who told me to try to drift, Julian. I don't take full responsibility for this. I was just like, I was like, I saw the Fast and the Furious 3. I know exactly how this is done. And it was, it was like full 360 haptic feedback like by the time they could pull me off of this thing Segway had unfortunately packed up all the scooters and Julian could no longer try them but I regret nothing <laughs> I regret nothing this is what CES is for it's for going really fast and frustrating your coworkers. I mean the, the go-kart was genuinely one of the things that you they keep talking about it and you're like it does what and the, the back decouples into a hoverboard. I, I don't know why anyone would want the hoverboard part of it, but that was cool to see. And then the fact that you bring it in, you plug your go-kart into your game console, and then you use it as a racing sim. It was so weird, but also makes a lot of sense. It was kind of cool. Like, like you're not going to use your go-kart all the time. The fact that now I can bring it in and actually have a use for it inside my house and with my racing games, I thought that was really cool and smart. It so. solves the problem of go-kart storage because it you does. can just simply store it in the middle <laughs> in of the your living room. room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like there were so many features of the go-kart. Like I was just like, so I mean, I was it was in a tiny parking lot. You know, I could not go full throttle in the parking lot. But then when you're like just stomping on the gas and you could just feel the whole cart flex and shudder. And I was like, that's right. This is me. I'm exactly like the indie. I'm exactly like the <laughs> Formula One autonomous drivers. I am Max Verstappen. Like it, was, it, it rules. It was awesome. That's I'm really amazing. nailing the CES. Are they are they coming out with it soon? Yes. Oh my gosh. You can pre-order them now actually and they will be shipping on february first so i know what to get you for orthodox christmas <laughs> mardi gras you yeah mardi gras, mardi gras. Right. yeah your household celebrates mardi gras yes right. we do 
I was about to burst into singing, but then I decided not to because I'm really mature and restrained. Please, someone stop me. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, my pick is the same pick that I have every year, which is my bed. My bed is absolutely the most exciting thing I've I've seen at CES this year. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> to be fair, it is a better bed than last year. That's true. Yes, we we did upgrade, get the ho- the hotel upgrade package this year. Thanks, <laughs> Condé Nast. Um, but really, it's it, this show is is a, a big show. It's uh, a, like physically large. It takes hours some days to get from one side of the event space to the other side um you walk three or four miles a day easily yeah uh, you sleep maybe five hours a night and as a journalist you get here two days earlier than everybody else and you have to cover it for a lot longer than most people spend here so it is a grind and um, thanks everybody for 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 sitting here late at night and recording this because uh we're all very tired <laughs> <laughs> It is, it is the job. Not me. I am gaining more energy as I go on. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep you away from the go-kart simulators from now on. All right. Well, that is our show for this week. Uh, Adrian, Julian, Jeremy, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming all the way to Las Vegas to sit here with me. And happy birthday, Mark. Happy, happy birthday, birthday Mark. <laughs> Guys, we don't talk about my birthday on the podcast for OPSEC reasons. Did you get the memo? All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. 39 once again. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on the various social medias. Just check the show notes. Our producer is the excellent Boone Ashworth. And we will be back in the studio with a professionally recorded episode of Gadget Lab next week. And until then, goodbye. Want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Come on, of course you do. Introducing The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening, even inside your own brain. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists, to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I, N as in Nancy, G-E-R, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. From PR.